right. All right. Welcome. Hello, everybody. We are back at Here to Queer, and I am with Stacy Chomiak today, um, a queer artist, illustrator, and the author of a brand new queer coming of age memoir uh, called Still Stace. Stacy, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here. I'm so pumped. I am so excited for this conversation. Uh, could you tell us just a little about yourself before we jump in, like where you live, how you identify, what you're passionate about? Yeah, yeah, those are great uh, lead-ins <laughs> for sure. Um, so I identify as a lesbian. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I live in uh, just above the U.S. border in a town, I guess it's a city called Chilliwack in uh, British Columbia, Canada. It's like about an hour from Vancouver. And uh, I'm passionate about all things queer and even more so if you add in art. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, my full-time gig is, is animation, but I'm obviously trying to do more queer books and, and um, that's where really my heart is these days. That's for sure. Mm. Can you tell us about the beautiful new book that you've just released? Yes. Yeah. Still stays. I know it's, um, it's so, so weird. I know you've kind of been on this sort of similar book journey. Yours came out not long before mine, I think a few months, but it's such a, it's such a roller coaster. <laughs> but yes. So my, my book still stays is, um, sort of more geared towards teens and young adult. I mean, it's, it's for everybody, but our sort of target audience is young adult. And, um, a big part of that is having many, many illustrations kind of peppered throughout. And it's, I mean, it's my story of, of growing up, you know, in the evangelical church and, you know, the wrestling that comes with like, oh, I have feelings for girls. I don't know what that means. I don't have language for it. It's a sin. I'm going to go to hell. That whole, you know, spiel, as you know, quite well. And just trying to, you know, the whole coming of age thing as well, like having closeted relationships Ugh. and figuring out, how, you know, how do you do that? How do you have like, you know, you're basically a Christian version of you and then you're like a gay closeted version of you Ugh. and you're, you're trying to exist. And it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing to sort of split yourself and, and figure out how, how to do life and how to exist and how to flourish, which is really what I wasn't able to do until I felt, um, you know, God bless that part of me. And then, came out and got married and so that's that's the nutshell (laughs) (laughs) and were you growing up evangelical in canada or have you are you from canada originally yes yeah i'm fully canadian 100 percent. so um and yes i grew up um evangelical i I, I guess it was more accurately pentecostal but it's sort of in the evangelical um we were under the pentecostal assemblies of canada but um it's definitely very similar and uh, man, my mom, you know, grew up, my parents grew up in it. And then we kind of grew up in the same church. And, and so, you know, it was just like part of life. It was a, a huge part of life. And it was just something that we did. And, you know, all my friends were Christian and it was sort of just a way of life until it couldn't be anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, I'm, I'm sure you, so I've ordered still Stace and I cannot wait for it to arrive. It's so gorgeous. Oh, yay. Um, yay. But I don't actually know you know much of your story in terms of like when did you come out right yeah well I and this is kind of outlined in the book obviously but I um kind of started struggling with my sexuality around like 16 17 that you know started at like summer camp which is what where the book opens Mm. and and then uh basically for the next 13 years I kind of like really wrestled with it all and then finally was able to find peace uh when I was 30 and um that was in 2010 
so it sort of it sort of ends soon after that sort of climactic moment of of peace. So mm. um, yeah, 2010 is when I sort of fully came out as a gay Christian. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's like it's wild that like at that point you had spent half your life on this earth, more than half of your like kind of like post puberty years mm. struggling with this and living yeah. like oh, it's so, yeah. I just want to I just want to hug like tiny Stacy. I know, I know. Uh, and that's the thing that that's like the reason kind of like the impetus or the reason why I kind of came up with the idea was as we all do I was in counseling <laughs> dealing with of course you know, <laughs> just like the, the layers and like the threads of shame that were sort of woven through my life still and I we were doing an exercise where we're trying to reconnect with younger me and and I just sort of had this idea like oh man I should write a book for younger me and try to help us like heal and that's sort of where the kernel of it all started so Mm. it's it is really sort of you know written for the younger version of me that really was just so lost and hopefully the younger version of all of us that just needs a lot of like tenderness and kindness and and care because we just didn't have a lot of options right or or answers or or help really or support yeah yeah it's it's really set in for me this past like year so that we we're in like the first generation of queer people who have come out in our faith communities and been able to kind of stay to some extent, or at least because Mm. of the internet carve out spaces where we still are visible. And I feel like, you know, for so much of like my childhood growing up, I know that there were queer people around me, but mm. when they came out, they were just kicked out and we were told that they were rebellious and yeah. like an abomination and then they disappeared. And it's yes. just, it's, it's really exciting and really daunting to be, you know, in, in a position like yours and mine where we are, we are still visible. We're still here. And at the same time, we don't really have all these role models <laughs> because, <laughs> Um, because yeah, there just wasn't space for, for those in the generation above us. So it's exciting to see, you know, a, a kid's book, like you just wrote and illustrated a kid's book about this experience that when you were growing up, you didn't have anyone to look up to and you didn't have any way of imagining a future where you could exist in, in your community and, and be honored and be wanted and mm. it's just so beautiful yeah absolutely that that's exactly it i mean i when i started struggling it was even pre-internet which dates me i don't know how old you are we're probably similar in age but it was like pre-google so i had to go to the library to like look up oh, like yeah. what what does homosexuality mean in order to get like the definition and then you know even when internet came into play and I would I would Google like gay plus Christian and it was, it, you know, nothing really existed. There was no like Justin Lee. I only heard about Justin Lee like around 2010 when I came out, but no one before that. So there was only like the straight Christians or the ex-gay ministries, which obviously mm-hmm. you know a lot about, or just people don't talk about it if you're Christian. And I just, I was scared to sort of do research in the gay community because all of all the Christians I knew said that was really like that's all of satan and you can't go that you can't get advice from them and so it's just you you find yourself really in this corner of like fear that there's nowhere to turn and nowhere to have support so it's it's just a really beautiful thing that now like you know people like you and i can can stand up and stay in this community and say this is a beautiful way to live and that's such an honor to do that (sighs) yeah 
It 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 is. I'm I'm curious to hear like so you you chose to write this book uh for kids, for a young adult crowd, which I just love so much. Um mm-hmm. what was the process like in terms of like what like I, I don't know anybody else who has both illustrated and written a <laughs> memoir like this. Like how long did it take you? Were you doing them side by side? Were you illustrating and writing? Did you write it all and then go back? Like, what did it look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Initially, I actually saw it as a picture book because I I thought like, since we have young kids and I thought, oh, I'll do a picture book Mm -hmm. and really do like a really, really small version. Obviously, no, like no sexuality, you know, specifics, but um, just nice pictures and, and it'll be a picture book. But then once I got an agent and things evolved more and, and we got feedback from editors, they were, they were kind of saying, you know, this is more of a young adult, like a graphic novel, or we need more content. And I feel like this story would, would be more appropriate that way. So once we got the book deal, then it sort of, once I had an editor it evolved and evolved and sort of got longer, but the illustrated part of it was always something I was really passionate about because I'm an artist first. Mm-hmm. And I really, you know, I, I wanted this to be the first project that would be so personal to me that I could combine writing and my art with. And so I was really passionate about like the style of the art and, but in terms of, you know, we had to write the manuscript first and get that approved. And that was an arduous process, as I'm sure you're familiar with oh, yeah. going, especially when it's your own life. I mean, going through, you know, my all my journals and I, I put in there like lots of stuff from my prayer journals, which was like the mm. most raw, you know, mm. where I, I didn't I never thought I would put that in a book. But I felt like it was necessary in some cases. And and just having like multiple editors like, like go over it with a fine tooth comb and, you know, give <laughs> give comments on things that were just so you know, just deep within my struggle. And so that was obviously a journey in itself. And and once that was approved, I honestly kind of forgot that I had to go back and draw a lot of these moments because I was like, oh, I'm exhausted. This is like, I'm so proud of this manuscript. But now we have to begin to figure out which moments are are the best ones to illustrate visually because not all of them really made sense to illustrate or would be repetitive. So both the editor and I went through and sort of picked out key moments that we thought would be really good illustrated. And it turned into 99, which I, I really didn't see coming because that's a lot of work. Whoa. <laughs> I, I was working full time at the same time. So it was it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done, that illustrated part, because I had about two and a half months to do 99 Whoa. illustrations. Yeah. And I, like, and I, it kind of fell over the Christmas break. So I, I had like a week off from the studio I was working at. And so I just worked, I just drew for like 16, 17 hours a day. Wow. I remember like coming into the kitchen sometimes and saying to Tams, like, I don't know if I can finish this. Like, I literally, I don't know. I'm so, even just emotionally exhausted, but physically my my hand was like cramping up. And so it was, it was definitely the biggest thing I've ever accomplished for sure. And just, yeah, emotionally, you know, to put yourself again, visually back into your life. And then translating those moments into drawings, it was a, it was an interesting, cathartic and sort of difficult thing. But I think I'm really proud of how it turned out. Oh, wow. It's gorgeous. And I also feel like, like what you're doing is expanding like young adults' imaginations for what's possible. Like, I think Mm. I like... I'm so curious about the fact that like there are so many things like when I was a kid, I didn't know I truly didn't know like I thought if I were to come out and like my family rejected me that I would cease to exist. 
I did not have yeah. any imagination for what it would look like to come out. Like I knew, okay, I can't live in my parents' home anymore. So I'm going to like, I, I guess I could show up with my backpack at like the LGBT resource center <laughs> and the one strip of Dallas, like in Oakland where, you know, and then, and then that was it. I couldn't imagine anything past that. And I just, I think it's so beautiful that like you sitting in your studio for 16, 17 hours a day with a cramping hand <laughs> and drawing 99, you know, pictures in the course of two and a half months is actually allowing young people to see, to imagine what it would be like to be an adult in the world who's like mm. healthy and well-adjusted and like married and has kids and I mean, it's just, and is, is making beautiful art. I just like, I'm so thankful that you did that and that you persisted and, and kept, gosh, it's just, yeah, it's such a gift. It's such an extraordinary gift. Thank you. Yeah, it does. A lot of the feedback has been that people feel like they have been able to connect more with the story because, you know, they can sort of see the characters and the settings. And it, and I, I did really try to, to translate emotionally what I was feeling into the art, which is what is challenging, but I felt necessary as much as I could. And yeah, I, I just, yeah, I think it is a beautiful, you know, it, it's a, such a privilege. And, and definitely, I mean, like you mentioned your family, I mean, that that's, that's been one sort of difficult piece of it is, is trying to reconcile, you know, I still have family members that don't agree and aren't affirming and, and that's, that's difficult, but I, I think mm -hmm. it does a disservice to my pain, your pain, everybody's, every queer person's pain who has struggled if I glossed over that or if I didn't lean into, you know, this can be painful, but we can still have a full and beautiful life after mm -hmm. that and, and how that pain can be used. And I think that's, that can be really encouraging as much as it's hard to read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I loved so much that you started it at church camp. I, <laughs> yeah. I, so I read all the parts that are available on Amazon because I ordered it and I was like, it's not going to get here in time, but I'm really into this now. Aww. And I just love so much that you started at church camp because that was such a source of anguish, you know, being yeah. in not only this like place where everybody's having these like revival experiences with Jesus and we're all exhausted because oh. we stay up all night and, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, it's this overwhelming emotional, spiritual experience, but for little yeah. queer kids, it's being in a cabin and being like in showers and things and little like cliquish environments where mm -hmm. we're so acutely aware of the, the specific way in which we're different. And it's such it's so it, for me, it was a very shame inducing and terrifying experience. Mm. And yeah. I just loved seeing that, like that you're this gorgeous book open with little Stace <laughs> in that environment, knowing she's going to make it like already, you yeah. know, because you're the writer of it. You're like, she's going to make it. <laughs> and she has created something this beautiful. It was just, it was just gorgeous. I'm oh, so impressed. Okay. Yeah, I what? from a, a walking spoiler alert. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, what was your What was your favorite part of the creative process? Like, what do you feel most proud of? Mm, man, yeah, that that's a good question. I I I never imagined I actually would get a book deal to begin with because, as I said, I I I'm an artist. I mean, I'm I've been working in animation for over ten years and and have done like you know illustrations for people, but never books. And so. I did, I did illustrate a book in earlier 2021 and, but I didn't write it. And so 
I think just having to be able to say that I can be an author because I've always loved writing, but just never was sort of allowed to call myself a writer. And maybe I didn't allow myself. And so the fact that a lot of the feedback has been that people love the writing, that's been so rewarding for me because I just, you know, it's scary to, you know, the whole imposter syndrome and, and you want to be good at something that you love. And it's so scary to, to feel negative feedback about something that you love. So as much as I'm, of course, proud of the art and, and I really was really critical of myself on that front because of my experience. But the writing part, I think, was the most rewarding just because it was the first time that I, I really could do something, I guess, professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it is really um, exciting and daunting and overwhelming to both be <laughs> writing like writing is already kind of scary, knowing you're going to get feedback and editors <laughs> are going to look at it like critically in many ways. But then also mm-hmm. going back and looking at your journals and mm-hmm. incorporating both like these these very deeply personal, painful experiences into something that's going to be like critically uh, looked at as well to yeah. to do that and to feel like to see yourself in the final sort of finished product and to say like that's me that's my voice and I'm proud of it uh, yeah. is is really beautiful and that's something you should definitely feel <laughs> proud of accomplishing. Thanks. Yeah, definitely intimidating. I was like, if I get bad feedback, it's this is nothing more personal I'm ever going to do. Oh yeah, this project. So yeah, I'm sure you felt the same way, right? Like putting your yourself just out there and just sitting there for anybody to to get a give you feedback at any time it's yeah. uh it, yeah it's a little a little scary but it, but it, yeah it's been such an amazing journey for sure i remember when i was uh when i sent out my first draft to and just to say if anybody has any uh questions or comments or wants to jump in just hit the call button and we would love to hear from you thanks so mm-hmm. much for joining I remember when I wrote, when I, when I sent out my first draft, some of the feedback I got was, uh, from friends who were like, oh, we would love to see, we really want to see more of your relationship with your parents in this. We need to see more Mm. of your family. Like we need to get underneath this layer and see more of like your feelings about what was going on with your family. And Mm. I was like, I understand what you're saying from like a narrative perspective and I can't do that. I have yeah. no idea how to dig deeper another layer to get into this because it's just so I'm too close to it. It's so personal and so painful. Oh, yeah. And I think I found a way after many, many drafts, but even at the end, I remember putting sending in the last draft and being like, I know that there are ways this writing could be better. Like I know as a reader it could be, but I, I can't. I can't get, I can't dig another layer and I I just have to be okay with that because this is the best I could do and it's beautiful and meaningful and maybe other books will be slightly better writing. Who knows? (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. And I I think that's a really good, you know, piece of information because I mean, everybody who's written a memoir, it's, they're all different. And I think we all have a lot, I'm sure you do. I, I definitely had experiences and things that happened that I chose not to include. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons why I did that. But the things that I chose to include, I had to really sit with and think about, you know, why am I including this? And I had mm-hmm. a lot of conversations with Tams, like, you know, I feel strongly 
that I should include this, but I'm feeling really vulnerable. Is it a good kind of vulnerable? Is it a, this is crossing a line kind of vulnerable? I mean, there's, there's so many processes you go through and, and questions you have to ask yourself. And Mm -hmm. as long as you're feeling like, you know, this is, this is important to share, this is hopefully going to help somebody and I'm okay with it. It's still hard. Mm -hmm. It's still, you know, it's still a process to get there for sure. Okay. This is a really important point you're bringing up and you've clearly done a lot of therapy um, because (laughs) that process of asking yourself, like, is this for me or is this for the reader and, and really working through what, why am I including this? Mm. What would you say to, you know, like memoir writing, whether it's online, people sharing about themselves or, uh, you know, through, through a book or even film, I mean, what, what would you say? Like, there is a lot of, of people that are sharing and it, it seems like (laughs) I had one friend that I, I sent my manuscript to and he was like, um, I just had a question about chapter, chapter five and was wondering if maybe that's something you should work through with your therapist. And I I don't remember if it was actually chapter five. I kind of made that up. But like the point being like somebody looking at it and saying like, Hey, this might be something you're you're trying mm. to work through in the wrong context. Mm. What, what do you, what do you say about that generally? Like how do, what, what are some uh, ways of engaging online and in our work that are when we're dealing with personal vulnerable things to help mm-hmm. people sift through what's helpful for my reader and what's just something I'm personally needing to process. Mm. And maybe another place would be a better medium for that. Yeah, that that is such a tough thing, especially with our immediacy of social media mm-hmm. and the the sort of knee jerk reaction that we all, you know, if we feel something some often we want to immediately share it. And that is t- it's tough to sort of gauge that. I I feel for myself personally, I don't know if this is the right or wrong thing, but it's what I've done personally is I have to sit with something for a little bit. And Mm -hmm. that's been sort of my rule because I find over time, even if it's like 24 hours or a week, it depends on what it is. I find that the clarity becomes more clear and Mm -hmm. I'm able to say, okay, do I feel I need to share this because I feel like it will resonate with people and we can then connect more and we can have an important conversation. Or is this just something I is that I just feels cathartic for me and I need to get off my chest and won't it won't be ideal it, you know it, it may not spin the right way mm-hmm. that there's sort of a a refining process that I don't know maybe gets clearer with age maybe gets clearer with therapy maybe gets clearer you know when you talk to a couple trusted friends and that's usually my process is I'll write something I'll talk to Tams or I'll talk to a close friend. And, and I kind of think, okay, I still feel like this is something I should talk about publicly or, or share. And usually if I listen to myself and if it's still bugging me, you should share it, you know, listen to the nudge. When I listen to that and when I'm authentic to that, it usually goes in the right direction. Mm. And there's times when I, I'm not sure and I just maybe feel, feel too much and, and sort of like, I don't care, I'm going to share it anyway. Those are the ones that kind of, I not regret, but I feel like that wasn't really the authentic me because, mm. you know, I think we all learn in therapy that the most clarity that you can have is when you're at your most authentic, kind of clear-headed, curious self. Mm-hmm. And I think ideally that's where we should be when we write and when we share. And that's not always going to be the case, but that's mm-hmm. sort of the ideal place to be. I don't yeah. know if that's helpful, but... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's true. And I think just 
to your point, finding other places, whether that's TAMS or your therapist or friends, like finding other places to process some of these things with, like, I think what we see with some of the people that, that maybe overshare isn't quite the right word because mm-hmm. I'm thinking more specifically about like very vulnerable things, like, you know, whether eating disorders or sexual assaults yeah. or things that sometimes we'll share because we see like Glennon Doyle sharing so openly. And I think people don't realize how curated uh, yeah. so many influencers are and like they're yeah. sharing in a way that, that might feel vulnerable to us, but probably isn't super vulnerable mm. to them. They've probably worked mm. through that extensively and there can be a lot of consequences of just like putting it all out there online yeah. in a way that isn't as supported and doesn't have all that infrastructure around them. And so to your point, just like knowing that and finding that I think is really key to just being able to be healthy in how we um, engage online and also just like how we show up to the people around us and understand like various intimacies and how close we yeah. actually are to those people on the internet. <laughs> and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that actually brings up a point that like you just said that I it, like that was part of this journey too, is, is putting yourself out there in that way. I was sort of also preparing myself for the comments that will come back to me from any number of people, people I don't know, people I do know. Mm-hmm. And the, and having those boundaries to know, okay, I you know, does this person speak into my life? Do I need to take this difficult criticism or feedback? You know, how does this affect me? What do I do with it? And and it's it's tough to navigate sometimes. And and I've had some feedback that's been difficult. And it's it doesn't matter like how small it is, but sometimes one negative thing can really overpower like ten positive things. That's just yeah. how our brains are. Totally. And, yeah. It's. And especially when we've already been so vulnerable, I think oh, yeah. a friend, like you know, a friend of mine, said, "You're you're probably going to feel like you're walking around without skin on." Yeah. And that, like, you probably felt the same way, especially right after the release, and when you know a lot of stuff is happening, it just it does feel that way. And so you you have to then protect yourself and your heart, and do what you need to do for self care because you know it, it's hard. It's hard to know you know when to take that in and when not to because it's yeah. not always great. Yeah, it is not always great. This is true. <laughs> I'm curious to hear what other projects are you working on? Yeah, well, as I said, I'm always in animation. I'm I'm just finishing art directing um, a series of shorts with DreamWorks and um, jumping onto another show probably right after that. Um, that's kind of my always my full time thing. But I I'm working on you know more books, like more more kids books, more um, young adult books, a lot of pitches um for for my agent and you know i'm learning publishing is quite slow so you know you can can put things on submission and they may or may not happen but um i'm i'm kind of i love having i love having lots of things on the go so i'm i'd love to just like collaborate with people i'd love to illustrate things for people so there's a bunch of stuff in the works but nothing that is like you know greenlit essentially so um but i'm there's always stuff going on (laughs) so i'm 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 hoping for more queer books that's definitely why my uh what my eyes are on for sure right now. That's exciting. Yeah. And do you have a preference between like kids and young adults? Hmm. In terms well, of like, what? what's the, what's the, pro- how's the process different? And. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's something I'm, I'm trying to weed through. I, I have sort of a couple sort of pitches for both. And I think the, you know, I don't know, picture books are just, so lovely because I you know I can really lean on the art side of it and it you know they're so colorful and and that was sort of something we went through with my book as I envisioned it full color but the editor was like you know what young adult like graphic novels they're two color and so I had to then repaint my whole style with the same 
feeling, but with two color, which, which logistically was a really difficult process and a really different process. So I think that's sort of one piece of it in terms of the art, like young adult mm. is going to be probably two color. It's going to be a totally different style mm. and, and picture books, the art's going to be different and, and less, obviously less words and more simplistic um, stories. So I think it really depends on the messaging I kind of want to lean into would be more young adult versus, you know, kids, but I kind of love both. I would love to sort of work on both. I don't know yeah. They're, Luckily they're you don't have to choose. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and I, I won't keep you too much longer, but I wanted to hear a little bit about, I mean, obviously being any version of LGBTQ, makes it very difficult to sort of keep your, keep hold on to some sort of like faith identity and spiritual practice. I'm curious, like what's kind of kept you in your spiritual tradition and in what ways has your faith evolved since you came out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is definitely something I've talked about probably the most. And I've had lots of sort of zoom calls with people who have reached out saying like, I, I'm gay or I'm trans or whatever. And I've, I've like totally had to leave my faith to, to preserve my identity. And I really would love to see how I could, you know, bring that back in because I miss it. And that's, that's been the most beautiful conversations I've had is that there's so many queer people that have been either kicked out or just mm-hmm. hurt by the church. And they translate that to being hurt by God mm-hmm. and, or whatever their idea of God is. And, and then sort of, you know, throw the baby with the bathwater as they say. And so that's been difficult for, for me personally. I, I think I had to do that whole you know, thing that everybody's doing is the deconstruction. I had to sort of pull everything out during those 13 years of me struggling and, and examining, like, why do I feel like I can't be who I am? Like, why does, why does God say this? And where, where does it say this? And why do I feel like my body is resisting that? And, and what about this do I still like? What about mm-hmm. this do I feel resonates with me? And, and so I had to really kind of like arduously examine all of those pieces. And then once mm-hmm. I came out, it was just a process of me just tenderly putting them back together into a different shape. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's sort of I've, what I've been doing since 2010 is sort of seeing that, like I've spoken before about how I've felt like my, my sexuality was like this, this thorn in my side that I was always trying to remove. And I think now I see that more as a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I actually can like rejuvenate and enhance my faith. It can help me see like so many beautiful things that I would have never seen without having this queer experience. Mm. And it, it allows me to see God in a, in a larger, more expansive way. And so I just, I'm excited about the ways that I see God or the universe showing up in my life. And, and, you know, when I get out in nature, which I try to do a lot and with that, when I connect with people, I just, I see just excitement and hope and, and it's just, it's really exciting to see how that resonates in people and how we connect with that. Because there's something deeper, I think, especially with, you know, us all going through this pandemic and we feel connected in this grief and this mm. difficulty. But I think there's there's more there, you know, there's mm. more to, to connect with. And I'd love to sort of pull at that thread and see mm. where does that lead us, you know? I don't there's know. That sounds a, there. kind of, oh. yeah, there's more there. And I, the mustard seed, I am just so taken by this this idea of your queerness being like a mustard seed that turns into a tree where you know birds Mm. can find shade in the branches and it's so generative 
I just, I'm really moved by the idea of how our queerness and this thing that was such a source of shame and pain for so much of our lives, how that can actually be um, a, a seed, a a generative, mm. beautiful gift that brings new life. And <gasps> I, that's yes. just, that's so exciting. And it, it gives me such a sense of possibility. And I know that that has to translate for, for your young readers as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way you put that. I think it's, it's exactly, it just, it's, it's endless possibilities of what we can do and how we can celebrate these identities and, and where that can take us and, mm-hmm. and what we can be in this world because of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it is, a, is a, it is exciting to sort of exist in this time that we have for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. One last question before you go. Uh, can you share with us one tiny delight, which is like a sort of recommendation, just the tiniest little thing that's been bringing you life lately that you would pass on to us? Hmm. Yes. There's, I mean, there's, it's, it's a tough time to find things that bring life. And <laughs> I know <laughs> it really is. But, um, the first thing that comes to my mind, when, I mean, I should probably say my kids, but <laughs> that's mm-hmm. not what came to mind. Oh, and that's okay too. <laughs> this is a safe space. That's right. I look, I love them, but sometimes I'm like, I need some space. But the, the thing that came to mind was that I, I get out of the house I get on my bike and I go cycling. Like there's a trail that goes through the mountains near our house. And so that that's like where I really feel like I can turn off the social media. I can turn off the emails. I can turn off even my kids needing something. I can turn off anybody's voice, but mine. And I can connect again with just the stillness. Mm. And that is so life giving. And it, it just helps to sort of recalibrate myself and then Mm. I can sort of bring that home and try to put that into what I'm working on and and parenting and being a wife and all those things so that's sort of for me especially through the pandemic has been something to to help give me life so then I can help to give life Mm. yes that resonates so deeply riding a bike is actual oxygen it is just in every way it's so cleansing and even like running, you can still, you've got your phone in your hand a lot of the time and you're still very connected to every like alert. Riding your bike, mm-hmm. you can't. Like you will crash yeah. and be seriously <laughs> injured if you're too connected to the alerts. And so exactly. Exactly. I'm so glad you have that in the beautiful, beautiful mountains of British Columbia. Yeah, thank you. Me too. I feel very grateful. Stacey, you are awesome. You are doing beautiful work in the world, and I'm I'm genuinely, truly so inspired by you and can't wait for Still Stays to arrive at oh, my yay, apartment. Um, I'll post all the photos of it because it's just it's oh, so yay. gorgeous. I'm so excited about it. Well, thanks so much, and I just, I'm just i so excited about what you're doing in the world, too, and I, I love following all of your amazing accomplishments, and I'm, I've been it's been awesome chatting, for sure. Ugh, thank you so much. Have a wonderful Thursday. You, too. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks.